This is the Ring of Honor, aka Shane T, boy, the baddest champion you ever seen, boy. This is Mister Anderson. This is good old Jr. Jim Ross, and you are listening. You're listening to Knockouts and Three Counts. Starts now. Ooh, what up, no, everybody? This is Kyle. It is another episode of Knockouts and Three Counts, and we've got a full episode on the docket for you today. Uh, there's been plenty going on in the world of pro wrestling where, for the first time in a long time, there were multiple wrestling shows as number one shows on cable this week with uh, AEW having over a million viewers again and uh, being number one on Wednesday, NXT winning on Tuesday, SmackDown winning on Friday, uh, and even Impact being the highest rated show on Access TV. I mean, it's a good week for wrestling as well. And obviously, we have UFC 262. We're going to give you our preview and predictions of this weekend's fights, and we'd love for you to let us know in the comments who it is that you think is going to win. Corey, how the hell are you doing, brother, man? I'm doing okay. I'm ready to get this uh, week in the books, to be honest with you. Running off of not enough sleep as usual. But uh, honestly, man, I'm excited for the pay-per-view. Uh, I didn't get a chance to catch the uh, press conference yet. So once I wrap up with the show here, I'm going to be watching the uh, press conference that they did. And other than that, man, just excited to start the weekend. Got a couple plans this weekend, taking the kids out, you know, just ready to get the work week out the way. I like it, man, on daddy duty this week, but I know you and I will be linking up for the fights uh, this weekend. Um, we've got a we've got a big week so far in the week of pro wrestling and in MMA. Uh, like I said, it's going to be really interesting to see how things play out this weekend, Corey. There's a lot to talk about this main uh, this main card, which although it's got a very good main event and a good uh good or at least interesting co-main event you know the other the rest of the card it's not a banger from uh top to bottom as usual but uh before we get to that like i mentioned in the open of the show which if you guys haven't already done so make sure you hit that subscribe button we are back on all podcast platforms you can find us on apple Podcasts, google play Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Spotify, all of those. And if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, please make sure you leave a rating. Make sure it's five stars and leave a review. It's greatly appreciated. And I'm going to say this right here and now. If you guys leave ratings and reviews on there, I will shout you guys out on the show, read your reviews on the show, all that good stuff. If my throat doesn't kill me in the process, well, Before we get to UFC 262, as I mentioned, we've had a lot of bangers going down in the world of wrestling as well. You had NXT, you had the main event for the Cruiserweight title between Santos Escobar and Kushida, who, Corey, I know you got to see on TakeOver, and they had a hell of a match. Uh, It was two out of three falls. 
You had uh, Kushida getting smashed with the uh, Phantom Driver and getting pinned, and then as soon as he got back up, hit Santos Escobar with an armbar directly after that to directly tie it up. So you were immediately tied at one fall apiece. So that one was a good one. You had uh, the women's title match between Raquel Gonzalez and Mercedes Martinez. A few flubs in that one, uh, but two two women that they could really build a women's division around. Um, and as I've said before, in my personal opinion, I think uh, NXT has the best women's division as a whole. But... Before I talk about AEW Dynamite, Corey, when you hear the song Wild Thing, what's wow. the first thing you think? Right. So what's the first thing you think of? You make my heart. No. Um, I don't know. Honestly, I, I can't think of any exact reference for Wild Thing, to be honest. Corey, you're disappointing me. We played baseball as a kid. Wild Thing. Why? What, what am I supposed Major to League, come on, man. You didn't never watch Major League? No. God, I'm son. You're guy, man. Come on. Dude, but Major good. League is a classic, and if you're a baseball player, too, hot damn it. Come on, man. All right, well, since you don't know the reference with Major League... The reason I was bringing that up is because there was a great reference on AEW. It wasn't to Major League. It was actually a reference. As many of you know, I was at the death match that didn't go boom in Jacksonville. And so Mox came out, and it was John Moxley versus the legend. The fucking legend. Now, when I say a legend, bro, this guy's been around. He debuted before you and I were born. Wow. And he he still, debuted. And it, the question is, does he still hang, though? Dude, and that's what I'm getting to. He had a match with John Moxley for the IWGP US title, which is a Japan title here in America. And what was so cool about it is not only do you have the legend Nagata, but then you have Mox coming out to Wild Thing, which... For hardcore wrestling fans who would notice it, I know some people didn't, but Mox came out to Wild Thing, which is symbol symbolic because that's what Onita, who is known widely as one of the pioneers and the king and godfather of the deathmatch, that was his song. So for him to come out to Wild Thing and think about this, to come out to that song on live TV on TNT. Like, you got to pay for the rights for that stuff, dude. They don't just let you play that stuff on TV. So uh, I thought that was pretty cool. There was a good match. And, you know, and that's something I had in my notes, man. Uh, Nagata can still go, dude. Like, Nagata can still go, you know. And the, and I, the, thing I'm, the thing I thought that was the best thing that came out of AEW, in my opinion, was... You had like like I told you we had the we talked about last week. You know you had the blood and guts match. Um, you had the blood and guts match between the Pinnacle and the Inner Circle. Uh, the Pinnacle came out victorious in that one, but on Dynamite they showed back up and kind of ripped off the old Stone Cold with the beer truck. Except they came out with a cart full with uh, Jericho's a little bit of the bubbly. And we're spraying down the pinnacle. So now it is going to be a rematch between the pinnacle and the inner circle. But the stipulation for this one is if the inner circle is not victorious, 
then the inner circle must disband forever. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out from the bloodbath that we had from um, Blood and Guts uh, at Double or Nothing. Uh, Shout out to the homie Megaran. If you see him there, tell him we told you to say what's up, man. Uh, He's going to be down there with some of the homies from the Matt Mania podcast. Uh, If you're down there, like I said, tell him what I said. What up? Um, I don't know, Corey, it's, uh, it's kind of intriguing with that stuff. And like I said, in the open, it's, it's really cool to hear that SmackDown had the number one, uh, the number one show on TV when they were on, on Friday, you know, same thing with NXT and AEW as well. AEW has been over a million viewers. You know, it's good to see wrestling kind of starting to right the ship a little bit. It almost seems like. They got that hair too, uh, <laughs> but uh, that's one thing I wondered, right? Is because it seems like from a lot of the people that are into wrestling now, is it seems like people aren't necessarily as happy with the product as they maybe have once been. But then you see on like a casual basis and stuff, like you said, with the numbers being as high as they are, right? It, but you got to look at what shows it was, though. It it was genuinely surprising to me, and not only the fact that like you said that they were so popular but the fact that we're not talking about the week following uh wrestlemania we're not talking about the week following the gigantic pay-per-view or some gigantic event in wrestling that brought all these eyes in we're talking about just regular weekly scheduled programming and that's what brought these kind of numbers in that's that's what surprises me the most is it's not necessarily directly tied to one big thing like you normally see, like, for instance, the UFC's fight night numbers go up drastically after a pay-per-view uh, card with, like, a Conor McGregor or something like that because you you garner some of that casual attention, and, of course, some of the casuals are going to drag their way over to the next couple events. But it doesn't seem like that's necessarily the case here. I See, and that's, so, that's the thing, Corey. So, for me, it's like you've got, you got to look at what shows it is because raw is still a dumpster fire. I, I, there's things that there's things that are good, but then there's other things that I, I don't quite understand why, why they're happening the way they're happening. Uh, but then again, when I say these shows are at the top of the ratings, we're talking about NXT, which you, you said yourself when you've watched, it was fun to watch. Yeah, you know, AEW. My, my exact description was, it, I don't think that I'm going to be turning it on like a casual viewing experience, but I definitely could understand why people do, even if they don't follow it closely, just because of the fact that it was, it was a lot more entertaining than 90% of the stuff that's on television right now. If I wasn't such a sports buff, like with actual, you know, live entertainment sports wise, that, that would be a, a serious viable option just because of the fact that it is, it's, it's more entertaining than a lot of the scheduled TV. Right. And, but then you, you've got them and then AEW has been over a million viewers. Uh, that's the one that doesn't necessarily surprise me as much because I genuinely do see a lot of hype around them on the Twitter and stuff like that. When, when those shows are going and especially you can tell via social media when they're really, popping off i guess you could say 
And uh, even when they're not, even when it's just kind of like a casual Tuesday, they're still like top five trending every time. So you can tell they they have some mojo in their in their back pocket right now. But as for like the the Smackdowns and stuff like that, even with the NXT, I like I said, I I regard it as entertaining. I do, but it seems like they don't get the the fanfare on the outside that like the AEW has been seeing and stuff like that. Well, I think AEW is still getting a lot of that because they're the, the newer, I mean, I can't say the new kid on the block cause they've been around for a little while now, but they're still newer. You know what I mean? They and they're doing feel too. Like when I go to watch like one of their events or something, when you, you know, ask me to, you know, give my opinion on something, I, it still, it does. It has that feel of like, well, what, what am I going to expect? Cause with WWE at this point, you kind of do know what to expect. They, they're going to make their twists. They're going to make their turns. But for the most part, you know kind of the direction that they want to take the company, even if you're just watching from a casual experience. Where it feels like AEW is pulling more twists and turns, even with the smaller roster. So it's kind of surprising in that regard. They've got quite the roster. Don't get it twisted. Uh, <laughs> I'm not saying... I'm not saying it's lacking talent wise. No, no, I mean I'm um, talking size. Numbers. Well, compare that to even like a, a SmackDown. Like well, they don't numbers. compare to WWE, you're right, but that's because well, they I'm talking, I mean I'm not talking WWE in general. I'm talking one of the two of WWE, not counting NXT. So like, yeah, their number like you know what I'm saying? Their number is good. Well, if I you're just comparing talent. it show to show, if you're talking comparing it just show to show, they're not that off. I thought you meant as a company. No, yeah. Um, no, if you're talking show to show, no, they they've got they've got a lot of talent on there, and a lot of guys and girls they're having an issue with, like everybody is, uh, with the travel restrictions. Yeah. But I mean, and then you had, you know, I mean, it, it was what it was. But I mean, they're, you know, you've got. Um, you've got them doing their thing, you know, you've got NXT doing their thing. And like I've said for a while, you know, Roman has been the face of WWE and really been doing his thing on SmackDown. SmackDown has been, uh, enjoyable to watch too, which if you guys are fans of busted open radio or anything of that sort, or even MMA today on Sirius XM, make sure that you hit that subscribe button so that you don't miss. We're going to be bringing on ryan mckinnell of busted open and mma today you can see him with misha tate once a week on tuesdays um like i said man we're going to be bringing him on right before double or nothing to give you our full preview and our thoughts on everything going on in the world of mma as well so i mean like i said we cover all bases over here but there's a lot of stuff going on like i said as far as pro wrestling with AEW and nxt um and like I said, SmackDown's really been doing their thing. They've had the return. We had the return on Friday of Jay Uso or Jimmy Uso. Uh, so now both Usos are back, and Jimmy's kind of seeming like he's got a little bit of issue with falling in line like Jay has with Roman. So we'll have to see how that plays out. But again, man, it's just crazy how the different culture is from show to show to show, even within the WWE, like NXT and SmackDown are so much more enjoyable shows, but then we're watching raw and it's like the same thing we're talking about. 
you know, every time you're talking about it. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens. We've got WrestleMania backlashes going down this Sunday. Um, it's good to see Bailey back in it for the title uh, picture on SmackDown. It's going to be her and Bianca Belair. That's going to be a very good match. Bailey, I think, is one of the top female talents that they have in that whole company. And Bianca Belair, like you said in her match with Sa- uh, Sasha Banks when we watched WrestleMania, she's one of the best athletes, bar none, in that whole she company. Did a great job. She, she did. She was in there. I actually thought. Out of the two, she's the one that kind of led that WrestleMania dance, I guess you could say. I, I mean, Sasha, Lane, Sasha's the, the vet Lane there, but big, uh, finishing move that kind of like put a cherry on top of the Sunday, I guess you could say. But I, I yeah, I definitely, she's definitely stole the show in that for sure. Yeah, I, I thought, I thought that, um, she did, she did a good job of leading the dance and kind of transitioning the title. You know, I, I thought she did a great job, honestly. Yeah, so I mean, you've got that match. You've got uh, you've got Drew and Bobby La- Drew versus Bobby Lashley. Uh, then you've got, you know, you've got all you've got. It's we're gonna have to see what it is. We're gonna see if it's gonna be another WWE pay per view, but you know. And then you've got Roman versus Cesaro. Cesaro's finally getting his shot at the title, which, like I've said before, I'll go on record as saying I think he may be pound for pound the strongest guy in the WWE. And having gotten to work out with the guy and stuff like that, that dude is insanely strong. Yeah, insanely he, strong. For the type of character he was playing, he I thought he did well in his WrestleMania match. It, it wasn't necessarily a shining moment uh, of the night, I guess you could say, or anything. But I thought he see, did. I would. I would argue that their match might have been one of the show stealers of the night. I wouldn't say it was the best match of the night, but I would say their match was one of the show stealers because him and Rollins, I thought, tore it up. But I didn't really expect much less than that because with both of those guys in the ring, and you got to realize those guys go way back. So before they get they got to WWE, they had faced each other plenty of times in Ring of Honor. Oh. Okay. So, I mean, they go way back to the indies before they made it to WWE. So, like I said, man, it's... uh. That match was a good one for me. I want to pose a question. I know we're kind of running over matches at this point, and I'm kind of, you know, 10 seconds late at this point. But it's kind of a burning question even while you're running through the matches. What makes Raw so undervalued to wrestling fans? Is it just like the played out stories? Is it the The creative is shit? Is it the creative is shit? Yeah. It's, it's, I, I don't know how else to say it. There's there's little bits and pieces of things that I like. Like I like Bobby Lashley finally getting the title. I like what they've done with Drew McIntyre. I like the Fiend. I like, you know, what they've done with Alexa Bliss. You know, there's a lot of things. There's th- I feel like things that kids. I feel like Raw was like the edgier brain. Like the Raw was. Well, like- it was their flagship. It's always been the flagship. The thing is, though, now it, it always was the flagship. The thing is, though, now it. I, I would argue that SmackDown is the the flagship for them. They're on the bigger brand they're, on Fox. They're that's. Roman Reigns alone being like I like I had alluded 100%. to hundred percent in our in our lead up to uh, WrestleMania and stuff he he was the rightful throne holder for a reason in my opinion and just the simple fact that he's their champ I feel like really legitimate you know legitimizes them 
maybe even more, you know, over top of a raw or something like that. I feel like Bobby Lashley's a, a great big man and really fits a great character and stuff. But after, after watching his match on WrestleMania, comparing it to the Roman Reigns one at the end. And of course it's going to be really hard to compare a show opener to a show closer because their, their time slots are way different and everything that's supposed to go into, it's going to be different, but it just, it felt like that Roman Reigns one had way bigger implications to it than that Bobby Lashley fight did. So here's the thing. Uh, I would agree that the Roman Reigns match was the bigger match, but you also got to remember they were bringing back a WWE hall of famer and the Royal rumble winner in edge in that match as well. Um, Then again, I mean, just because you're the show opener all the time doesn't always mean that you're a less than because uh, look at it in this sense. So they were the show opener, but then the show closer for that was that Bianca versus Sasha match. Oh, that was the first night. I for some reason. I yeah. That was the second. The, yeah, uh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yep. Because uh, Roman Reigns was the Roman. Excuse me. The Roman Reigns match was the match to end night two. Yeah, I knew that. I th- for some reason I thought the Bobby Lashley was the start of night two. No. Yeah. So I mean, either way, like I said, it's. I I think for Raw, it's mainly they have too many of the same matches week after week. They have the creative is shitty. Some of the people they have in there, like Dana Brooke and uh, Mandy Rose, are great to watch. They're beautiful, but they just, when you put them in the ring sometimes with somebody like Charlotte or things like that, it just, you can see. Like Like I've said and like you've started to realize, bro, there's levels to this shit. You can see the ones who are like that top tier the same way in fights, bro. There's guys who you know are going to come in and bang it out. And then there's guys or girls who are going to come in and you know, you know, well, this, if they're coming in there, chances are they're wrecking somebody. But so we'll have to see how everything plays out in the world of wrestling. Like I said, we got WrestleMania backlash coming up. And like I said, stay tuned for, as we talked about with double or nothing, you know, we have Ryan McKinnell from Sirius XM coming on uh, to come check to come check things out for a AW double or nothing. Um, well, we've got UFC 262 going down this weekend. Um, as we talked about before we went live, uh, like I said, man, there you've got a good main event. You got a co-main event, but uh, it's not the most hype of cards you know what i mean? you also gotta put into consideration that nate diaz leon edwards fight that fell off being a five yeah round, that's fair being a five round co-main that really was gonna spice this up I mean, that's fair that and that, they've gotten bit by some of that with cards but it's like we always say that with wrestling too card subject to change man absolutely and at least with in that particular instance at least we know we got it rebooked and it's just a month later so it's not necessarily the end of the world you know it's just i feel like that that was the real thing that pushed this particular pay-per-view over the edge but i Honestly, I disagree in the sense of that it's not stacked. I feel like there's a lot of good matchups on the prelims that are kind of going under the under the radar, I guess you could say. Like the Andrea Lee, uh, Antonina Shevchenko, I feel like that's going to be an amazing fight. Both of those girls who always go out there, 
Of course, Antonina being the sister of Valentina, she always comes in there with something to prove because she wants to show that she is legitimately as good as her sister, even if I don't necessarily agree. I feel like she is a very good fighter, but not to that level. But she always comes in there with something to prove. You can't take that away from her. And Andrea Lee, she she is one of the most interesting circumstances in the UFC to me because I truly feel like had judges just viewed her fight slightly different, she could be five and one or six and zero oh in the UFC. Instead, she's like three and three or two and four, and it's just like you're talking split decision city in her in her circumstance, and I. I feel like some of those really did lean her way. So I feel like this is a matchup that really goes under the radar. And it's going to be a fun one. I always love when you see two uh, female fighters really go in there and showcase their skills. And I feel like that's going to be a real match there to display that, in my opinion. Um, I can see that. I can see that because, I, I mean, to your point, I mean, I don't think that she's maybe as good as Valentina Shevchenko. But then again, at the same time, she's a very technical fighter, just like her sister, too, though. Yeah. The way they fight, they really pick up pick their shots. So in this fight, man, they could really bang it out. I agree with you. This could be a sleeper fight off of the prelims for UFC 262. Uh, but I, I... Go ahead. I was going to say my, my second one that I think is the the sleeper, maybe even more so than that one, is the Lando Venata Mike Grundy. That's going to be a fun fight as well. It's going to be kind of a match to see, does Mike Grundy stay on the feet? Does he try to take down Lando Venata, who's very slick on his feet? Lando Venata, who's fought as high as 170, has now made a move to 145. We're going to see how that, uh, how that impacts If he's going to be sucked out. In media weeks, he's looked thin. He's looked thin, but he hasn't looked sucked out. He just looked thin. So we'll see. We'll, we'll see, honestly. And I feel like him going into a match against a wrestler, that could be a serious disadvantage if you're not used to fighting at that weight. You know? Um, that, that's the Jacare Souza fight I'm excited about. But for the wrong reasons, I guess you could say. I'm excited to see if Jacare still got it against a young up and comer. But at, at the same point, I feel like Munez hasn't earned his spot against somebody against Jacare. I mean, Jacare, don't get me wrong, he has some loss losses in his recent history. But just before that, he was top five perennial for years and years. So I just I feel like this match is a little unearned, I guess you could say. Um, uh, so here's my thing, dude. I, me being a jujitsu guy, man, I'm a big fan of Jacare and the fact that he was able to find his hands and be able to knock some guys out as well. Uh, I, again, I'm a big fan of Jacare, but I mean, everybody's got their time, man. He's to, he got clipped, you know, and, yeah. and if I'm not mistaken, didn't he just have a battle with COVID too? I'm not sure about that, to be honest with you. I'm honestly not sure about I, I'm not 100% sure, but I thought I had heard that he had had an issue with COVID, too. So between the knockout and COVID and just being able to get be able to get a fight, you know, during this whole pandemic thing, it's going to be interesting to see what we see from Jacare. And it's definitely going to be a tough fight for him, you know, coming in again, like you said, against a young contender. Um, as we get into this main card, man, you got 
you've got, you know, you've got some good fights on this one. Uh, let's start from the bottom. The first fight we got on here is Matt Schnell versus Rogerio Bontorin. Uh, what are you thinking on this one, bro? What'd you say? I said Bantorin. Bantorin. Excuse me. Excuse God, me. God, you got to get these really hard to pronounce names perfectly, Kyle. Gosh. No. Well, uh, I this, damn, I stand corrected. I feel like, I feel like Matt Schnell is somebody who has a serious um, upside. I have, I feel like they, ha he has the chance to really take a real foothold. If I'm not mistaken, he's a 125er. Um, if I'm not mistaken, but I feel like he has some real uh, advantages for the division being tall and lengthy and stuff. I, he's, he's always looked good until he, unfortunately, until he doesn't. Lost <laughs> so it's, it's a, it's one of those quintessential stories of like, dude has all the skill, all the potential, but sometimes doesn't come. Through it's just if he shows up on fight night. Yeah. Bontarine. I feel like is a very good matchup for him. I feel like it should be something where we see Matt Schnell pull out, pull out the victory. I honestly do, but Bontarine's no joke. Um, it'll be an interesting matchup. I really uh, feel like it's a good matching. I, not necessarily in my opinion, pay-per-view pay worthy at this moment, but we'll see on fight night. If that, uh, if that holds true, I guess you could say. All right, so who are you picking? You didn't pick one. Match now. Match now. All right. So said, for me, like I said I feel like it's one he should win. He should. It, it, so he has all the potential and skills too. I'm in the same boat as you are. That's kind of what I was thinking uh, at first glance. Looking at this fight, is that I think it's going to be Matt Schnell in this one. I just think that this is a fight, like you said, that he should win. I think he's overall the better fighter here. But again. Again, like you said, it's who shows up on fight night. Um, the next fight is going to be a banger. I feel like somebody is going to sleep in it. You got 100%. Edson Barbosa versus Shane Burgos. That's, I mean, I'm no, I'm not coming out of left field. It seems like everybody and their brothers saying that this is going to be fight of the night. Like you can just chalk it up right now. You might as well have the checks already written out if you're Sean Shelby, Dana White. That, that fight is going to have just Barn Burner written all over it. Sean, uh, Shane Burgos does not stop. He doesn't quit. He doesn't have an off switch. He doesn't stop. That being said, he has been beat before. And it's not an easy road whatsoever. And I also feel like this time off that he's taken, because it's been like, if I'm not mistaken, a little over a year, a year and a couple months now, since we've seen him, I feel like that time for in a young man's career who has the chin, has the heart, has the potential, could really do a lot to improve his skills. It depends on how much he's been training in it. From everything I follow, he's one of those guys that's, you know, I stay in the gym, I stay ready, I you know. And if that's really the case, if he's been able to improve his skills over this last year, he, he stands a real potential against the Nets and Barbosa as long as he doesn't get uh, caught with one of those spinning heel kicks or one of those spinning kicks to the body, man. Though, that's another thing that's highly underrated with Edson Barbosa is those body kicks, man. 
I've gotten like to see Edson Barbosa fight live, man. That's uh that guy that guy's that, kicks, dude, are something that, to behold. It's gotta sound like a whiff, man. It has to. It, just the way he's able to throw that thing out there with such speed and precision, it's just insane, man. I I, I am a huge Edson Barbosa fan. I really am, and I wanna see the best for him in this one forty five division. But, man, did they match him up with a killer in Shane Burgos. And I feel like Shane Burgos has just got more of a dog than Edson does. Edson, that's the only thing you could ever really say against him is the fact that some of the times when he gets pushed in fights, he kind of doesn't always stand, you know, feet in the fire, I guess you could say. And I feel like Shane Burgos is that guy. Um, whether he's able to do that to somebody like an Edson Barbosa, who's incredibly skilled both with hands and feet, we'll, we'll have to see. But I think range management is going to be a huge thing in this match. If, if Shane Burgos is able to keep it at more of a punching range compared to the kicking range, uh, definitely Shane Burgos. But Edson Barbosa is not somebody to sleep on on this fight at all. Here's the thing. Um, I think there's a good chance that Shane Burgos can really come out and uh, do his thing like what you said. But I think the thing that makes this fight an interesting fight is the fact that, like you said, Shane Burgos isn't afraid to stand up and bang with him. And a guy that isn't afraid to stand up and bang is exactly what somebody like Edson Barbosa wants, because then he can get off and do his, you know, play his game because, you know, the other guy is more than willing to stand up and oblige you. So, like I said, I think that could be the difference in this fight. You're going with Shane Burgos. I think I'm going to go with the vet on this one. I think I'm going to go with Edson Barbosa. I think Edson Barbosa in this matchup. Styles make fights, and the fact that they both want to stand, I think that that's the thing that can make the difference for Edson Barbosa here because if he sits there and rifles off all those leg kicks like he likes to do and has shown that he can do against multiple of opponents, uh, if he does that against Shane Burgos, Shane Burgos can walk forward all he wants, but if you can't walk forward anymore because your leg's all banged up, uh, it's going to be hard for you to walk through stuff like a tank. Uh, for me, that could, like I said, I think that's going to be the difference. Uh, I think Edson Barbosa is going to get the dub in this fight over Shane Burgos. Well, that's what, that's why I laid so heavy on the range management. I really think that's what dictates this match. It, I really honestly do it. If Edson Barbosa is able to keep him at that kicking range and piece him up, it's going to be a completely different fight. It really honestly is. That's why I, I preferenced my pick with if he's able to keep it at the proper range, Shane Burgos. If not, I completely and full-heartedly agree with you. Edson Barbosa's his leg, his ability and dexterity with the legs and hips is insane. His ability to throw anything from any angle and have serious uh, implications behind it is just, it's insane. I'm with you, man. Like I said, that's going to be an interesting fight. In the next fight, we got some ladies getting at it under them lights and getting busy. You got Caitlin Chikagian versus Vivian Arujal. Uh I... I want to say I feel like Caitlin Chikagian is going to get the dub in this one. Uh, I don't know. I just feel like overall I think she is the better fighter in this one. I think she's the more complete fighter. But, again, 
Vivian Rougeau <laughs> is not a slouch. So, I mean, if Caitlin could Chikagian, Chikagian, if I could spit it out, must have had some of that weed guys fried chicken and fuck y'all. Uh, anyway, uh, I think Caitlin Chikagian is the better all around fighter. But then again, like I said, Vivian Rougeau is not coming in there to play no games. So I think it's going to be an interesting fight. But if you're asking who I think is going to win this one, I think it's going to be Caitlin Chikagian. I just think she's the better all-around fighter. And if she can get the fight to the ground, I think it, it, she could be able to control it too. Really? See, that was that's actually the one thing I was going to lean to is the fact that if uh, Arahujo is able to get her down, she actually stands some chance. But I feel like Caitlin... Well, let me rephrase my take. My my rephrase what I said. You're correct. I think Arujao has more um, of an advantage on the ground. All I'm getting at is I I think that Chikagian um, possesses the skill to be able to get back up. Yeah. You know, I think that she's going to be able to even if she does get taken down. I don't know that Arujao would be able to hold her there. Yeah, I agree, especially being the. She's really big for the weight class. Not big. She's a big girl, man, and she's strong. She's she's very tall and strong and lengthy, and she's she's pretty good with her takedown defense as well. Um, If if I'm not mistaken, I was watching an interview. She's a brown belt in jujitsu, so she's not she's not lost on the ground by any means. So I feel like that it's it's a good matchup. It is. Um, I feel like Caitlin Chikagian has this weird thing going though, where she's. She's like a perennial number one or number two contender. Like, she will just... She can't get over that hump, huh? Yeah. Well, it's not necessarily the hump, right? Because, like, I feel like she beats almost every girl in the top five except for when she lost to uh, Andrade. And that was just because she got hit in the liver with a nasty body shot. She was winning that fight, in my opinion, up to that point. My second one that I think is... It's just... It's... It's an interesting matchup. I feel like Caitlin Chikagian is highly undervalued in a not super uh, talent-rich division in uh, the 125 division. I feel like the 125 division is uh, slightly slightly lacking, unfortunately, especially when you compare them to their champ. Um, and... I feel like this is just a matchup that's going to showcase Caitlin Chikagian's skills at being the perennial number two contender of holding somebody off from getting their chance to uh, possibly work their way up to a Valentina fight. Well, I mean, dude, I I would argue, like you were saying, with the 125-pound division, I mean, that's the problem I think that we're seeing pretty much in a lot of the UFC women's divisions at this point. Um like in an Amanda Nunez case, since we're talking about the 125 division, I mean, yeah. realistically, she gets another win. You basically shut out that division. Well, in 145 circumstance, yes. I feel like she's basically already beat everybody who's a viable contender there. At 135, I feel like 135 still has a couple ships that haven't sailed yet. And I, feel I like did say 125. <laughs> Huh? I said I did say 125, dummy. In 125, uh, 
Valentina is just Valentina and everybody. There, there ain't much you can do about. Well, that. I agree. I just meant I miss. I misspoke. I meant to say one thirty-five yeah. for Amanda, but. Well, I feel like you can't. Yes, she's gonna. She's reigning high on her throne at one thirty-five, but one thirty-five is a very viable uh, division outside of when she's fighting people. Essentially, like it's kind of the Valentina thing, right? Like there's. Like we had alluded to with the Shevchenko, uh, Antonina Shevchenko and Andrea Lee. That's a 125 fight. That's very fun, very interesting. Both girls are very game and are highly skilled. I feel like 135 has a lot of those matchups. But the same thing at 125, you put any of those particular people, whether they're skilled or not, against the current champ, and it's just a loss. 90 times out of 100, you know? Well, right, and that's why I'm saying at this point, I feel like uh, both Valentina and Nunez are on a collision course to basically shut out their divisions, and if they don't, the only collision course that's left that is really getting to be intriguing with them is if they collide again. So uh, I hear a lot of that, right? I hear a lot of people clamoring for that fight again. And I don't disagree, right? Like, that was one of the best female fights. I mean, what other matchup do you think can bring as much draw as that one will? Okay, I agree. But in my opinion, and I hate to use this as, like, an analogy to explain it, but I think they should do the boxing route with these two. Yeah, they're close enough in size. Yeah, they're close enough in skills. Yeah, they could fight each other. And we don't know who's going to win. But they could also hold down their division for the next seven years and just be champs, and we could enjoy the reign. But we know that's not how the UFC goes, man. They've already shown that they... But they've already fought twice. In my opinion, Valentina won the second one. If you're Sure, but was it when they were both on the run as killers like they are right now? The second one was, yes. But at, like on a run like we're on now, where they're talking about Amanda but, Nunez but, right, as so my, the greatest of all time. Is, is it, if you look at Valentina Shevchenko, she has really done an amazing job of making her frame the exact perfect size for 125. Like, she's big, she but she's not too big. There's girls that are still bigger. Dude, than her, so she, she would her. definitely take that fight again. Oh, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that whatsoever, and I've watched a ton of interviews, and even I'm, I'm saying my point in the fact of this is what she has actually said she wants as well, is she's okay with letting her reign 135 and I'll reign 125, and I feel like that's that should be the route. We, we've seen the fight. In my opinion, it's 1-1, but unfortunately it's not. It's 2-0 for Nunez, and it's just as fun of a fight as it would be. I honestly feel like it's more fun enjoying the rain at the top compared to one of them's going to have that star very diminished if they lost in this spot that they're in now. I just think if that fight happens, it's not going to be a fight that we'll see for like a long time down the road, but I think it's something that inevitably is going to end up happening again, just for the simple fact that, like I said, if they get one win or like in the case, like you said, if they get a couple wins, there's going to be really no one left for either one of them to fight other than to fight each other. Yeah. And so 
in 135, they're really grasping for straws, in my opinion, with this Juliana Pena fight. Uh, that that one's a bit of a stretch, in my opinion. Oh, of course. I, I mean, like and that's it. and that's the same thing you ran into when you talk about somebody like GSP. It's the same thing you talk about when you when you talk about somebody like uh, even Anderson Silva for a while. I mean, shit, nobody touched Anderson Silva for the longest time. I mean, and now in current times, it's basically what we're talking about with John Jones because. I mean, say what you want, say what you will about that, but dude, I mean, there wasn't really anybody that got close to really beating him. I think the most current example, in my opinion, would be a Kamaru Usman. He's beat everybody except for Wonder Boy in like the top five, and he's now yeah. But but the thing is, Usman Usman has cleared out his division, but it wasn't like it wasn't as decisive. I feel like the last few fights have been but the beginning of his reign wasn't where like the rest of those guys, I just named it kind of like struggle he's ever seen really. In my opinion, it's Colby not struggle. I'm not saying he struggled, but I'm saying like a John Jones basically finished or like dominated. Most of the guys GSP either finished or dominated. Most of those guys, not that Usman hasn't done that, but I'm just saying, I feel like his more uh, notable, not notable wins, but more uh, hype-worthy wins have come more recent. So, I mean, if he stays on the on the on the tear he's on, he's only he's got to beat Col. He's probably got to beat Colby again. Uh, you know, maybe win one more fight. I don't know who that is, but I mean, Usman's right up there. He's right in that same in that same ilk. I'm just saying, like you got you got. I mean, we've seen that it's happened. And I mean, I feel like it's only inevitable for them to try to unify those belts again. But we still got two more fights to talk about on UFC 262. Tony Ferguson is making his return against Bernil Dariush. Uh, What are your thoughts on this fight? Uh, Tony took a hell of a beating from Justin Gaethje in his last fight. Now, you're skipping the Charles Oliveira in between. Oliveira is the main event. No, I'm saying Oliveira fought Tony Ferguson after the Gaethje fight. Oh, yeah. You're right. You're right. You're right. But go on. So go. I, I was going to say, go ahead and make your point. Uh, no, that's all you. I was just. Yeah, but. Want you, I didn't want you to not weigh that. Right. Also uh, so domination, in my opinion, in your, uh, you know. Yeah, dude. Right I mean. Now. Tony's had Tony's had a rough couple outings, but I mean Tony has definitely made a name for himself in the UFC. Uh, I mean, with him being a Michigan boy, obviously we are partial to El Kakui here. I mean, hell, he was on the same uh, Ultimate Fighter season as Miles was uh, before he blew out his knee. Uh, I've been rocking with Tony for a while, but I mean, dude, that that was a those were a couple of performances that got put on him. Yeah, so. We're going to really have to see what happens. And the thing is, they gave him another killer in Bernil Darius. Now, some of you guys might not know Bernil Darius as well. But, I mean, dude, that guy is a silent killer. And if Tony Ferguson doesn't come in there like Tony Ferguson, we might see Darius maul this dude. So, uh, I don't know, man. This is a tough fight. I want to see Tony win. But if you ask who I think is going to win, I think Darius is going to eat him up. So, for anyone, I know, like you had said, a lot of people don't necessarily, uh, aren't familiar with Benil. 
And for some reason, I do not understand that whatsoever. Maybe it's because he's not the most active fighter in the world or something. And he's not the most vocal. That too. But his performances stand out to the point where he doesn't necessarily have to be. Right, but look at what happened to DJ. Yeah, true. Very true. But I feel like he... Benil has this, like, this sleeper mentality of the fact of, like, you look at the guy, he's he doesn't necessarily look like he's in the best shape in the world. He looks like he's a, in good shape. He looks like he's absolutely in good shape. But when you compare him to a lot of the other fighters on the roster and stuff, you'll be like, oh, he could just be an average guy walking down the street that hits the gym a couple times a week. And then you see him with his uh, gray hairs and shit. And he's, you're like, man, how old is Benil? Not realizing. He's been in the UFC for a hot minute, man. He, and he's only 31. He's just full of gray hair. It's insane. And then you look at him, and I don't mean this in any disrespect, but a lot of the Middle Eastern fighters like that don't necessarily carry that same, like, hurrah, I guess you could say. And in his, in his uh, instance, it's the same type of thing. He, he's not necessarily intimidating when you look at him. But, man, do his performances speak otherwise. He is somebody to watch out for on every facet of the game. He is truly, I know I, re, I say this all the time, but he's one of my favorite fighters in, in the list of, like, the top 20. He's absolutely up there. He is, the way that he does, he's not silent on the mic because he's actually very entertaining when you see him on interviews and stuff like that. He's very well-spoken he elaborates his points very well you can tell that he has real thought and stuff that goes into his fights even though they end up being stand-up bang-out wars more often than not it's like the funniest thing like you could see in one of his interviews he was doing i think it was with brett brett akimoto if i'm not mistaken he had talked about how he always struggles with just remembering to stick to the game plan because he gets so excited when he starts punching people in the face. You know, it's like, and when you see somebody... Do you think that could cause him a problem against a guy like Tony? So that's the one thing I was going to get to is I feel like he's a really entertaining guy and I feel like for anybody who may not know who he is up to this point, if you have access to Fight Pass or anything like that, or even just YouTube his name and look up a highlight video, Benil Dariush is somebody worth knowing in your roster of fighters 110%. And if you don't know, you should know, honestly. But with that being said, he he throws big. He doesn't throw like overly committing to, to shots but he does put himself out of position sometimes on some of these bigger shots and I feel like if Tony Ferguson is able to bring out the actual El Kikui that we haven't seen in my opinion in the last two fights he does stand a chance I feel like this is a great matchup to kind of put Tony in that spot of like I hate to, to see if he like still this, got but, it but put up or shut up like it really is a put up or shut up spot it's somebody, in my opinion, that you could be, but is also not a, it's not necessarily. It's a not a gimme fight. It's a fight that's going to make you have to fight, but it's a fight that if you're still Tony Ferguson, you should win. So with that being said, who do you think is going to get the dub? Uh, I feel like 
man, I just, this is the hardest one on the card to me. I feel like, I don't know if Tony Ferguson is going to be as creative as we need him to be in this fight. I feel like if we see elbows, Eminari rolls, if we see the ability for him to just try to cinch up chokes on a, on the snap of a finger like he used to, like he just hasn't been doing that in his last couple fights. And I don't know if it's just, I don't know if it's a mental lapse. I don't know if he started to get comfortable in the position he was in, or I don't know what it is. So it's really hard for me to say Tony Ferguson is going to win this fight, especially against somebody like Daniel, who is game as could be, has a gamer chin, can take the shots from somebody like a Tony Ferguson and also has legitimate knockout power. I I feel like Benil might pull this off. I feel like Benil works his way into a legitimate top three matchup after this. I, I really I kind of am on the same boat as you, man. As much as I want to say Tony Ferguson's gonna win, especially with him being a Michigan boy, dude, I think I don't know, something tells me Darius might maul him. Uh, if you want my pick, I think Darius is going to win this one. All right. Now we're getting to what I think is going to be the most interesting fight on this main card, because on one side of the octagon, you've got um, Charles Oliveira, who, as we've talked about multiple times on this show, I wasn't the biggest fan of at first off of his fight with our buddy and past guest of the show, Miles Fury Jury, which you can check out our episodes with Miles on all the podcast platforms and on YouTube if you hit that subscribe button. Um, like I said, I so I wasn't the biggest fan of him, but I mean, look, dude, results are what matters at the end of the day. This dude has totally done a 360, you know, been finishing dudes left and right. Uh, I think him coming up to 55 is the right weight class for him. I think he's having a lot easier time making the weight. Uh, and, you know, I think he's going to be a sleeper for a lot of casual fans. Uh, Michael Chandler, I think, has a lot bigger name that some people want to give credit for uh, from his time in Bellator. But again, a lot of UFC diehards. You know, most diehards for MMA know who Michael Chandler is, but uh, just strict casual UFC fans don't know as well. Um, this fight's real interesting, man, because the thing is, as much as Michael Chandler is known as a knockout artist, you got to remember he's also a very good wrestler and can take you down at any good time. Uh, but again, against a guy like Charles Oliveira, who knows if that's necessarily, uh, the best option. So Corey, who do you have in this fight? Who do you like between Oliveira and Chandler? Well, you can actually, uh, attest to this. I've been singing the tunes of, uh, Du Bronx, Charles Oliveira for like two and a half years now. Hard even before that Kevin Lee fight where I feel like we really started to see a real glimpse of who uh, this new version was. Um, I've been singing the tunes because of the fact that he is just, there's a reason why he has the most finishes in UFC history. He's able to cinch up chokes and put people in uncomfortable positions so quickly. And that's where I feel like Michael Chandler has to win this on his feet, in my opinion. He, if he wins this, it's oh, no doubt. 
No doubt. I mean, I, like- I think on the ground gives Dubronx his best uh, chance to win. The question is, though, do you think do you think that Dubronx? Uh, you know, the question is, do you think that Dubronx will play the stand-up game enough? You know, to give Chandler that ability, or do you think he can get him to the ground? Because again, that's where that wrestling from Chandler comes in play. With with Chandler, I don't think you're going to necessarily be able to get him down because of the simple fact of he's so much of a shorter fighter than somebody like uh, Dubronx. Dubronx being the taller, slimmer guy, I can ex- I can attest to that. Whenever I get my hands with uh, somebody shorter than me, it's hard to get lower than them to try to get you know on their legs and stuff. It really is being tall like that. It's hard. It's easy to stay up. It's hard to get other people down. Because you can you can push for longer because you have that extra extension with your legs, but it's hard to get down there. It really is, and somebody can really push on your head a lot easier because it takes that extra inches of time. Well, a guy like Oliveira, I feel like a lot of his takedowns are going to come from like a clinch position. You know, with him being more of a jiu-jitsu guy. I, that's exactly what I was going to say. Is I feel like it's going to be if. If Oliver is able to get him into a position where he wins by submission, it's either because Chandler's starting to get a little bit tired and tries to wrestle with him, or because Oliveira was able to push Chandler up against the fence a little bit, which I feel like is going to be a hard task to do, but is doable. Chandler being the forward pressure fighter that he is, he's hard to get backing up. But if you land a couple, one or two good counter shots on him and catch him when he's trying to recover, I feel like that would be a very good game plan and then try to grab uh, some hooks with the legs and try to take the back against the fence. I feel like that would be a serious... uh, Oh, he's definitely submittable if you can get him down on the ground. So with that being said, who are you taking in this fight? Um, I Part of me wants to say that Chandler's going to knock him out. Part of me really does because Chandler's just so explosive and the ability for him to kind of like lull people into a, okay, I'm good. Okay. I'm good. Oh shit. My face is on the mat. Like it is like very second to none. He's very explosive and quick. And I feel like that is a huge thing for somebody his size in this division. Yet again, like I said, being the shorter fighter, his ability to, be at a normal range, jump into a actual finishing range, and then jump back is just it, his footwork's really good. But I still feel like Charlie, Charles Oliveira's got something. I really do. I feel like old Charlie Olives is gonna pull off the victory, man. I feel like he's gonna walk out with the belt Saturday night. I feel like he's the. I feel like he is the more deserving of the two to hold the belt, in my opinion. But that that doesn't always play out on the night. So if if I was to put money on it, I'm going Oliveira. But it it's it's like 60, 40, 55, 45. You know what I mean? It it could go either way. It really could. All right. Well, it looks like we are op- opposed on the main event because I think for the exact reasons that you just mentioned, I think if Oliveira I'll, this fight's going to have to start on its feet. And for Oliver to get close enough for him to take Chandler down, he's going to have to get through those shots. Not to mention Chandler is going to be coming hard body to get, to get after him. Plus I think what Chandler's wrestling 
background, I think he'll be able to stop it from going to the ground. That being said, Oliveira hasn't looked like a slouch on his feet in the last few fights, so we're going to have to see how he can implement his stand-up game against a guy like Michael Chandler. I, on the other hand, think, though, that the explosiveness of Michael Chandler and his ability to be able to wrestle defensively in this instance I think is going to be the difference. I think Michael Chandler is going to get the dub in this one, and I think he'll be patiently waiting for the winner of whoever it is we're going to see between Conor McGregor and Dustin Poirier walk out with the dub, which before we get out of here, did you hear that Conor McGregor was the highest-paid sports athlete last year? Yeah, but you also have to put in the account that he sold his liquor company last year and got... 180 million is 180 million. I do not disagree, and that is a huge payout, especially when you consider he's not somebody under the traditional sports. They said he made contract. about twenty million when he lost. Yeah, well, that's, that's so, what I'm saying. He's not under the proper sports contract in the way of like a. I believe number two was Messi, right? So Messi being signed with the football club over in Europe, he is signed to get the base salary at the end of the year plus whatever incentives and plus whatever advertisement he can get himself on and so on and so forth endorsements and sponsorships and yada 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 conor mcgregor is not the case he is on contract in the sense of he's on contract where he's with the organization but he's not on contract where he's paid x amount annually you know he's paid based on his business endorsements and his one fight that we've seen last year. So that, that that's a large sum of money for somebody who only fought once in the last year. Well, and the thing is, man, it's just a further example of what, uh, you know, we've heard a lot of fighters been talking about since all the noise about this Jake Paul versus uh, Jake Paul versus Ben Askren. And now Logan Paul, versus Floyd Mayweather, which I don't know about you, Corey. I think this one is going to be an absolute murder. Uh, we're not going to be able to. So. Did you see I mean, that we have an opponent for Chad Ochocinco who is going to be fighting on that card as well? Who is that going to be? It is a man that I'm not particularly familiar with, so I'm not going to go above and beyond on his stats or anything like that. But he is a bare-knuckle veteran. Brian Maxwell. Name doesn't ring a bell, but I don't know if Ocho Cinco can scrap. So that's what I'm saying. The fact that he's taking on somebody who has actual combat experience in a bare. To be fair, though, it's just bare knuckle. Though sometimes in bare knuckle, they get randoms to do it. So, like I said, we'd have to see what kind of bare knuckle experience we're talking with this guy. But that being said, though, at the very least, he's used to getting hit in the face. Ocho Cinco, we're going to have to see if Ocho Cinco is soft or not. Speaking of getting new opponents, thank God we have people like the big boss at XFC, Mr. Myron Malaki, which if you didn't get to check it out, you can check out our interview with him uh, anywhere you can check us out on YouTube uh facebook all that good stuff it's out there and it's a great chat but 
Good thing he's on top of the ball because, man, I don't know what it is, but these people don't want to fight the big dog. We have an opponent for Mr. Brett Martin getting changed because Mr. Humphreys took a one-fight deal to step up and fight Ben Rothwell uh, for the UFC. Uh, me, personally, not that I'm saying Brett's an easier fight because I think Brett was about to give my man the work, too. But boy, for you to step up and fight a guy like Ben Rothwell, homie, you better be on the on the grip because if it's only a one fight deal, I think Ben Rothwell is going to come and give this dude a rude awakening. Uh, but that's another story for another time. At least it's good to know that Brett Big Dog Martin does have a fight on May 28th, just like Bobby Nashy Nash, UFC vet. You can check both of our interviews out with them at our YouTube channel, on Facebook, or anywhere you check out your podcast. And like I said, make sure you're back here next Tuesday, 9 p.m. We'll be talking about everything that goes down this weekend at UFC 262. And we're also going to be talking next Thursday with the weapon of ass destruction. The Wode herself, Ms. Double D Rose. So uh, it's going to be a good time. And Devin... Hopefully, we'll be joining us from Texas as well. So, like I said, it's going to be a fun and action-packed week next week from your homies here at Knockouts and Three Counts. And if you check this out in post, let us know in the comments who it is you think is going to win at UFC 262. And uh, like I said, if you drop and leave a comment, a like, a subscribe, or please, if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, leave us a review. If you leave us a review, I will gladly leave you shout you out on the show next week so until next time and in the in-between time and to all of you guys who checked us out in france today we appreciate you peace